Hello, my friends, and welcome back to the Kokoro Movement Podcast. On this episode, we have the triumphant return of DJ Murakami. He is a trainer based out of San Diego, California. He is one of the founders of Online Movement University. His uh, Instagram handle is at StrongCamps. Go follow that guy. He does crazy, crazy stuff. We had a great conversation. I'm just going to jump right into it. Here we go. feel like we have a lot to talk about so i'm just going to jump right in and just kind of see where it goes so <laughs> i reached out to you last week um because i was watching you all of your answers and your stories to ask me any question or whatever it was and i was like man i bet that guy has an interesting perspective of what's going on in the world right now and so <laughs> i just wanted to have you jump on and just tell me your thoughts on uh what's happening because you seem like a very just observant person to where you just sit there and watch and just accumulate information before you start responding to things. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sometimes I do just respond out of my ass, but uh, yeah, it, it's interesting times, right? Yeah. It weird is. times. It is. And it's, uh, you know, it's one of those, we didn't really ease into it, which is interesting. We kind of just were like, this is this way. And now it's different. And you're like, okay, so what do we do now? You know, and a lot of people are freaking out. There's, you know, a lot of uh, athletes who don't have access to a barbell and now they don't know how to work out. There's a lot of um, business owners who don't have any online options. And so now they're freaking out. Um, Especially in my profession, there's a bunch of uh, massage therapists that only do just the, the remedial, you know, typical massage work and they have no idea what to do either. So, Mm -hmm. you know, one of the reasons why I'm trying to get everybody on is to just provide different perspectives and uh, give people ideas on how to kind of move forward. Yeah, it's interesting. I think there's like two camps of people, one who are like, things are different from now on. We need to transition online. And um, the other set of people are like, F this, you know, don't, don't tell me what to do. I should be able to, the, the libertarian view, you know, don't tread on me, which right. I, I respect both. I could see both sides, but you're always going to have those two camps. I do think that this is going to go when the quarantine is lifted and we're able to open up these gyms again. I think there's going to be a big surge. I think the pendulum is going to swing and people right now i believe are realizing how much they they were dependent and needed that gym environment 
just the environment of leaving your house and going somewhere dedicated to train, which is created for that, the equipment for it, the social aspect of it, um, getting away from the house, which is a, a big deal. I think all your kids, your spouse, I think all that is, we're seeing how important that is. So I have a feeling these people are worried about, um, you know, I need to get online and do this training, which is probably a good idea to do anyway. There's going to be a big surge when all this is over uh, yeah. is what I, what I think is going to happen. Yeah. And so it's the, the human contact thing. That's one thing that I was sitting with about a week ago is, you know, my job as a massage therapist and as a coach, you, it's just a lot of social interaction and then you have none. And then there's some people that are okay with it. And then there's other people that are not. And I think um, there's a lot of gyms where that is socially where they hang out with people. And then other than that, they're either home or at work. And so I think, I think you're right on that. And then for me, it's uh, I really have to almost schedule myself workouts because I'm, you know, the typical human where I have a proclivity towards laziness. I don't have to go hunt my food or gather anything. I just, if I can sit there, then I'll just sit there. And whereas, you know, I would schedule a massage and then I'd have an hour in between before I start coaching people. And then that's where I get like a majority of my workouts in. And then I coach people and then I go home and then I come back and do some mobility or whatever, you know? So the act of, like you were just saying, the, the act of having to go somewhere is really important because it starts to prep you for that mindset that you're going to do some work. Yeah, just the environment and the cues you link to that habit, they're all linked together. So when you're changing the environment, that's the same reason I have a hard time working from home. Yeah. <laughs> you need to be a separate four-walled uh, room uh, yeah. that just lets me know this, this is a place to do this. Um, and you get your mind right. Yeah. But yet, it's interesting how people... Uh, <laughs> I feel like the we're saturated now with all these, oh, free home workout and come do this home workout program with me. I think people are seeing how they don't enjoy home workouts. Yeah. And, uh, and I'm talking about the lay people. You know, people are really into fitness. Their trainers don't have an issue doing online training because they have that self-discipline and drive. But the average person, uh, it's the same reason you see, I was just at a, friend's house who had a peloton bike in their room and i was like oh how is that I'm like hi oh, yeah i kind of used it for a month and it's been sitting there and even though you have someone on the screen or billy blanks tybo whatever dvd telling right. you what to do it's just not the same as the accountability of coming in a gym and i'm saying this for the the masses right the average gym goer who needs that accountability right um so yeah and i think we're we're gonna have that rebound when it comes back but yeah. it is interesting watching everyone freak out and watching how people are changing their habits and i just had this thought the other day like i remember uh playing like a, a seasonal sport you would play for um you know four months and then you'd have a break for a few months and i'm wondering if anyone is just gonna take a break off of working out for a few months <laughs> yeah I don't, it's really not gonna kill you right and so that's the other thing too why a lot of like a lot of people 
go to CrossFit gyms or, or come to coaches like me or you is because we tell them what to do. And now they're in a position to where they're just like, well, I have this equipment. What do I do? You know, I guess like dumbbell snatches or I don't know what to do. You know what I mean? So they're not, that's part of the draw is you get off of work, you go to the gym, you don't have to think about it. Your coach tells you what to do and then you do it, you know? And, uh, you know, I have a Peloton bike as well and I'm really trying to get on that thing at least three days a week. Um, and there's different, I have different modes that I'm trying to do. So there's, I have all these friends just spread out all throughout the United States. So I do like weekly check-ins and talk to them while I ride that bike for an hour. You know what I mean? Or, you know, get on there for, um, a half hour interval workout or whatever it is just to keep me from, you know, like I said, just being lazy because I'll just sit there and, you know, I'm also, uh, anxious about my, um, my massage business. Am I going to have an office when this is done? I have no idea. The lady, um, that owns our building that our gym is in like deferred our payment one month. Is she going to defer it too? I don't know. What's my plan after that? I have no idea. Should I uh, use this extra room that I have in my house as a massage room? I don't know. Like, and you know, so I'll just, and I don't drink or anything. So I'll just eat. That's how I <laughs> make myself feel better. You know what I mean? So I could, I could seriously sit on the couch and just eat garbage all day and just be the exact opposite of what I should be. And then go back to the gym in a couple months and be like, Hey, listen to me. I'm a trainer, but I'm also 80 pounds overweight. You know, <laughs> it's a, it's a, it's a thing. And I know that I have to keep myself motivated. And I also have um, this understanding about myself that I have to have a goal to work towards, or I'm just not going to do anything. So that's where, you know, like you were saying the the seasonal sports, you know, so I started out in mixed martial arts and I was like, okay, I have a cage fight. I have to eat healthy for three or four months and then I'm going to do my cage fight and then I'm going to screw off for a month or two. And then I'm going to go find a jujitsu tournament and sign up for that and then train for that and eat healthy for that. And then CrossFit competitions, like, uh, uh, weightlifting competitions, whatever it was. And so, you know, I signed up for a 5k that was supposed to happen, um, next month and that's probably not going to work out, but that actually got me out running. And then right after this, they announced that our gym was closing, it started snowing and raining and I'm <laughs> this <laughs> fair weather runner, man. <laughs> it has to be, it has to be nice outside. If it's any kind of cold or windy, I'm like, nah, I'm not going to do that. I'm not, <laughs> you know, yeah. so it's been a, it's been a interesting challenge just for me and I can understand where people are coming from on that. Oh, it's totally normal. I mean, that's, this is a psychological battle people are going through. So it's not, yeah, it's not easy at all. Yeah. And you have a proclivity just to, you know, just from your Instagram post, just hike around, find some slab of concrete and lift that a couple of times. <laughs> you know, that seems like the way to go. <laughs> yeah. That, I mean, this, I'm pretty much on my normal routine, to be honest, during this whole thing. Yeah. I, uh, I socially distance and shelter in away from the public uh, outside of the gym anyways and outside of grocery shopping. Yeah. So uh, same routine, uh, mainly doing work online, but it's been fun. 
I don't know when you're going to air this, hopefully when it's over. (laughs) The gym, the gym I'm at is probably the hub of the spread of the coronavirus (laughs) in California because uh, the gym owner is like, you know, he's he's very against anyone telling him what to do yeah especially threatening to find him so he's like i'm not closing down the gym he's like oh we'll be okay so we have the door locked and and, and by the way i send all most of my clients home so i'm not you know i'm not training anyone here i just use this office space to do work on the computer because like i said i can't do it in the home environment but uh He'll have people like knock on the door with the special code. He'll let them in. So this imagine like a, a speakeasy. This is like a lift easy, right? Yeah. During prohibition. And all the major gyms around here are closed down, the big spot. Pretty much all the gyms I know. So you see all these like uh these juiced up like meatheads who cannot miss a day of lifting some weights. Come in here, they just have to get their lift in. They leave, and uh, it's kind of it's kind of cool seeing the the prohibition of uh, gyms uh, <laughs> that's, go down. Yeah, that's so funny, and it's you know it's really interesting because I'm not you know it's the whole social distancing thing, and so I think uh, you know closing gyms is because um, I I'm not like standing over people while I'm coaching them, you know, I'm telling them what to do and then I'm correcting them as they move, but I'm not, I'm at least six feet away. If not 10 feet away the whole time, I'm giving them space to move. And I'm not, it's not like jujitsu where you're, you know, grappling with somebody and like breathing on their face. It's like, you're, they do some single leg deadlifts. Okay. So now we're moving on to this and now we're moving on to that, you know? So I think, um, It's, it, I mean, those gyms that people paid for, but don't really go like the, the, you know, the corporate gyms, like anytime fitness or whatever, I bet they're just going to be inundated as well. I'm really interested to kind of see how it goes. And like, speaking of jujitsu, it's like, that's how I've been working with this whole thing. You know, once it came to America and we were kind of starting to pay attention to it and kind of freaking out and then it started building up and then they were starting to close down certain states and I just kept saying, okay, what's happening today? What's happening today? And then reacting based on the information that I was receiving, you know, and then that's kind of where I'm at now. So like I said earlier, like is what if my gym closes? Okay. So I have a plan if my gym closes, but what if it doesn't? Cool. So I have a plan for that too. But for the most part, I'm just waking up and be like, what's happening today? And I'm just kind of reacting from there. So just neutral kind of mindset, I think, is what's really important in this. Uh, this just, God, it's so weird. It's just, it seems like a movie, you know, like and everybody's fighting. Uh, so surreal. <laughs> it's kind of exciting. Yeah, it was, uh, especially when it first went down, because I just in the back of my head, I'm like, please, I'm the apocalypse, please. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it is uh, the chaos is is entertaining isn't that weird is so i've been hesitant to say that but it's kind of exciting like you know like you said we're waiting okay how bad is this gonna get is this social distancing thing working is this quarantine thing working you know really flattening the curve is there gonna be a second wave i don't know let's see it's like 
you were in this unprecedented event and there's people that are freaking out and then there's people that aren't really and we're all just kind of like i don't know what's it's it's like like i said it's like a movie and when it was first happening i just kept wondering is like iron man gonna come save us or what if i felt like an extra i was just watching all this stuff just this chaos unfold and i had no idea what to do i had this thought the other day <laughs> um because i you know it just keeps getting weirder and you're like wow this is like they were just like um okay stay inside don't go out anymore. It's like, bang, okay, everyone did it. Hey, wear a mask outside now. Everyone did it. And I was looking around and thinking, if if an earthquake happened right now and maybe a meteor hit, like I'm agnostic, but like I'd pretty quickly be like, hey, maybe I do believe in God. You know, <laughs> it wouldn't take much. <laughs> like a, a one plague and pandemic and a few natural disasters, and I'd be like, What's happening here? <laughs> I know. Because it could potentially just all happen at the same time. And then what? Like, this is, it's such a weird time. And, and then we're due for it, right? Like, this yeah. happens every 100, 200 years and something big happens. Like, you know, what if we just go through that? Think about how different, because our generation and, you know, a couple of generations is used to pretty much steady things, very comfortable in, nature is not like that life is not like that right so you know we're just getting a little taste <laughs> yeah a little one and so i was listening to jordan peterson's podcast a while ago and he was talking about how you know everybody's talking about this global warming and all this different stuff and his ideas are we're finally winning against nature this is the first time in thousands of years where you can walk out your front door and then walk down the street without getting murdered by something. Like there's no mountain lions attacking you when you go on a walk with your, with your wife or whoever. You're, we're doing fine. And then right when we think that we're getting cocky, there's this little virus. It's like, here you go. I am actually in control of everything and you have no control over me. And we're like, yeah, got it. Okay. Thanks. <laughs> you know? And then, um, but yeah, then that you uh, think about there was this uh, podcast with uh, Graham Hancock and Randall Carlson on the Joe Rogan podcast, and they were talking about this meteor that hit in the upper northwest that wiped out a majority of the human race and flooded the entire continent of America and then set the whole thing on fire. And you can actually see this like in the sediment layers, but it got to it got the human race down to they think like twenty thousand. Yeah, the younger Dryas event. Yeah, and we're just like, what? And then, then they start saying that we travel through the tail of that meteor twice a year for like a month at a time. And that we just are so lucky twice a year. It's like closing your eyes and walking across a busy highway and not getting hit by a car. That's what it's like. And so, like, and we're focused on all this. That was another thing that, uh, popped up in my head is how focused on just stupid shit. We're just so focused on <laughs> stupid shit all the time. And then this virus comes up and shuts everything down. And we're like, Oh, there's more important things in the world. Like yeah, to some people, yeah. yeah, to some people maybe look and see if any of those meteors are going to smack us without warning. You know what I mean? Oh, and it happened. Yeah. Renner Carlson had a good talk where he went over that event, but he's like, 
he just goes over everyone and you look at the geological history and it's like a near extinction event, near extinction event. And he's like, we, we survived all these, but we were probably reset each time. So who knows that goes into the whole ancient advanced civilization, but right. it, it is true what you said, how our, we're getting everything put in perspective now that this is happening and we're not bitching and complaining about the smaller stuff. But I was going to say, except for the fitness industry, we seem to have now become, all right, everyone, we got this. You're at home. We're going to take over your fitness life. Don't do push-ups like this. This is what you need to do. It's like we're, we're out of our element of the gym where we're an authority figure. So now we're taking it, uh, especially to social media and trying to police movement. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I think... <laughs> We're always going to think we're important. Right. Movement is important, but yeah. It is. And it's, uh, you know, th- I mean, we're pretty hard, but I'm incredibly soft. And then you think about like those, he starts describing these near extinction events from these meteors. And you're like, I don't want to live through that. Like, like live through a nuclear winter caused by a meteor. I'm not interested in that. I hope that meteor hits me right in the face. I don't want to deal with that at all. I don't, I've never gone hunting. I've don't, I've never planted anything. I don't like, I could figure it out. I'm not an idiot, but I don't know. I don't want to survive that. Just, <laughs> I'm so comfortable. I love just being able to turn on a light. You know what I mean? I love, and, I love being able to just, you know, reach out to people through these invisible signals that just come to my phone and then get on the internet and just have these amazing conversations with my friends that are spread out throughout the country and sometimes even the world, you know, just, and I'm really comfortable with that. And I love that. And so that was part of that panic that everybody was having at the very beginning of this where they're just like, Oh God, I got to buy toilet paper. And you're like, what? Why? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's so weird. And here we are like almost a month into this. Well, maybe even a little bit more and you still can't like buy Clorox wipes. You know, it's so crazy that all the stuff that used to be readily available, just all of a sudden it's not anymore. You know, like I use those uh, rubber gloves to, you know, clean up my, when my dog throws up and I actually need them because I ran out. And the other night my dog had just an event from like 2.30 AM to like 5.30 AM where he was just throwing up like crazy. And I was like, ah, gross. And I wish I had gloves, but all these crazy people are buying hundreds of thousands of gloves in one shot just to make sure that they don't run out. And I'm like, (laughs) it's interesting to see the statistics of what people are buying and what people aren't buying as much of like when it comes down to it. Like if you go in the store, like I remember when all the aisles were wiped out and people were just stockpiling in the like peak of the hysteria. And the only things you would see left are the, um, alternative plant-based meats yep. you know and it's like whoa that was that was marked higher that was like almost in more of a demand for people the specialty meat and now people are like ah you know i think i'm gonna go uh 
go with the regular meat. <laughs> yeah. And I heard somewhere that um, at Walmart, the um, sale of like button up shirts went up and the sale of pants went down. And they were speculating that maybe it was because of uh, everything going to Zoom now for work calls that people weren't really caring about their pants. They just had a, <laughs> a nice shirt on. <laughs> and also laundry, I think, was another thing that uh, some of those services went out. But it, yeah, it's interesting how we uh, adapt to that and, and how comfortable we really are even still. Yeah. Uh, give one solar flare and <laughs> no. all that's up. <laughs> I know that's what I mean <laughs> and which is totally possible and that's just not the stuff we're thinking about and a majority of the time it's like well I wonder what Kim Kardashian is wearing today and I'm just like why does that even matter who cares it'll be hard for us if yeah. it comes now it'll be hard for the majority of us um, but it is we have to know that we come from a long lineage of the people who survived through yeah. all of these events. Um, and yeah, maybe nature um, is going to call the herd one more time and yeah. it will be what it is. Yeah. I don't know. It's so, but this is, <laughs> it's really interesting because then you have to start thinking about that kind of stuff because we thought we were invincible there for a while and we're not oh. at all. Oh, I'm done. I, I mean, yeah. the, my best bet is to find one of these doomsday preppers who knows what they're doing yep. and just, just tell them I'm able-bodied and can help them. Yeah. Me the ways, but yeah, I, I, <laughs> I can't do any of that uh, stuff on my own. Yeah. Well then, you know, cause then you got to think about the Yellowstone thing. Like there's, oh, cert yeah. there's certain people that are worried about that. Like what if Yellowstone pops off? I'm like, we're kind of in the blast radius. So. I don't know. Oh, yeah, we're screwed. Yeah. That one's due, right, at some yeah. point. Yeah, and, like, the last major earthquake that California had was in 93. And, you know, that was, you know, there's been, and right after this happened, we started having, like, little earthquakes in Utah and Idaho and stuff, and you're just like, what is happening? Is this so crazy? And just sitting there waiting for just kind of the other shoe to drop. Like I said, is there some kind of, intergalactic battle that i'm not aware of what's going on it's just it's super weird what would be funny is if so all this does happen <laughs> yeah the, the meteor hits the everything so all technologies erased all that information and data and records gone um there's only a few people left to repopulate it would only take one or two generations for people to forget you know yeah like just forget almost everything and then a few more when you are when things get better they're not going to remember the actual uh event that occurred unless it's passed down through story and a long enough time yeah it, it's crazy how how we're only a couple generations from uh the spanish flu and you know world war ii and all these other things you forget very easily these things that happen that affect the entire human uh, race. Right. Or just even, even right now, there's people out there that have no idea how chaotic it was after 9-11. Because they were either born that year or after that. 
And they have no idea. That was not a historical event for them. You know, like mm-hmm. everybody that I know knows exactly what they were doing and exactly what was going on. It's like embedded in their memory, you know, and there's people out there that are, you know, halfway through their college career that have no idea that that's even happened. And, you know, another generation, like you said, from now, like, I have no idea. In World War II, there was hardly any males available for in the workforce. So a lot of women were stepping up and doing all that work. And, you know, just the chaos of that, you know, it's, and I just know a little bit just from watching that band of brothers show on TV, you know, I don't know. (laughs) It's so crazy. Great show. It is a really good show, but yeah, this, this will be the, uh, like I'll, I'll tell my kids about this, but it is crazy how, how easy it was to change the lifestyle of an entire nation yeah. with just a few, few words. Right. And there's a lot of people that are freaking out about that too, you know, just going as they should. Yeah. Going kind of deep into the conspiracy theory of it. Like that's the other weird thing. You know what I this mean? This is a great time for conspiracy theorists. Oh my God. This is their dream. <laughs> I, yeah. And I love, I love conspiracy theories. Not that I believe them, but as just a thought experiment. Yeah. It, I feel like uh, conspiracy theories are like uh, crossword puzzles for adults. You know, you're just connecting random lines of thought. And a lot of them are like, whoa, those connect. doesn't yeah. mean there's something there, but it's fun. It's fun to do. Yeah. But I, I follow this. Uh, have you heard of the Q conspiracy? I have not. Yeah. Don't even, don't even look it up. It's okay. Just rabbit hole. <laughs> but they, uh, it's random stuff about the deep state and like um, elite pedophile rings and all this weird stuff. But it's, it's been going on, I think, for a few years. And, and now they're like, this is the, the events coming and we're going to uh, take back over the country. And it's so exciting. Yeah. This <laughs> is like. <laughs> This is like people who don't have sports. We're going to invest it into this yeah. uh, quasi-political conspiracy and just have that regain that tribal mentality, which I think is what it's all about, you know. Totally. So there's a – man, there's kind of a lot to unpack there. So I had one friend, um, and she was a closet conspiracy theorist, and I had no idea. But, you know – Two days after our gym got shut down, so this was like uh, March 18th, she sends me this email and was like, I implore you to watch this. And it was like a three-hour documentary that was connecting the dots, like you said, to every conspiracy theory ever. Like, in this, I watched it for like 10 minutes and got to the point where she started talking about how our country was being run by lizard people. And I was like, mm, I can't do this. Lizard people? That's where you draw the line, huh? The lizard people. <laughs> yeah, because I've, you know, un- there's been those unfortunate podcast episodes with Eddie Bravo on Joe Rogan's podcast where you're just like, bro, stop. This is so crazy. With like the, and he just goes off the rails. Um, but this is like, and then she started sending me, hey, the internet's going to go down for three days because they're going to enact the RICO Act and do mass arrests. 
and I just didn't respond. And then two days later, she sent me another text message. Hey, you know, all the gas is going to go off. All the electricity is going to go out. You just got to hunker down. There's not going to be any water. And this is going to be for 10 days. And then it's going to lift on Good Friday. And I was like, what are you talking about? And I didn't respond to her. And so finally on Good Friday, I just (laughs) sent her uh, this gif of Kevin Hart just being super confused <laughs> and looking around <laughs> and that's all I sent her because I was like none of that stuff happened and you're so crazy right now like what's happening <laughs> Jesse I have also received those warnings <laughs> from friends about the 10-day power outage that and then it went to three days and then it went to not happening and uh <laughs> But even that alone was so fun to talk about because I remember being like, oh, we're going to benefit so much from no internet and connection. We're finally going to get time alone with ourselves and experience what it's like pre, um, you know, digital social media. And because that would be a cool feeling. Imagine if all the, uh, there was no internet and you drive out in your car and you are alone and naked in the world. Like you can't call anyone. You can't Google anything. You can't get your map directions you are just out there alone no one knows where you are unless you told them right and so that's how I grew up which is so wild to think about now so you know because I grew up riding BMX so if I wanted to go riding with my friends I'd call their house and then I'd get their answer machine okay they're not at their house they're out riding and then we'd have 10 different spots that we would ride at every day so I would just ride to those spots And if I couldn't find them, then I would just ride home. But by the time I got home, it was like a full day of riding anyway. You know what I mean? And there's been, I guarantee there was times where they were looking for me and I was looking for them and they were either one spot ahead or one spot behind, you know? And it's like, and there was no cell phones. Like I could stay out as long as I wanted just to make sure that I called my mom and be like, Hey, this is where I'm at. This is what I'm doing. This is what I'm planning on coming home. And I had to, scrounge up chains for a payphone, or go into a hotel and ask if I could borrow their phone at the front desk or restaurants or whatever. And now we just were so connected and so addicted to that connection that if like people would just lose it, you know, and it's just like, if we had no electricity for a couple of days, cool. You get to practice building a fire. We get to go back to like caveman stuff, useful mm-hmm. tactics and, and skills. And <laughs> let's figure out how to do this. You know, it's, I don't know. It's really, like you said, it's exciting. And that's one of those words that I've been feeling, but didn't want to express because it's just, it's, I feel like it could be potentially a trigger word at the moment. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah, definitely. I mean, if <laughs> I've, I've heard, uh, you hear both sides though. And it's funny, just, it brings out the people like you need, we need to be taking this very seriously. People are crying. You know, you see nurses on TV, like you don't know how bad this is. The bodies are piling up. We need to get ahead of the curve, um, which is true. Mm-hmm. I agree. And then you hear the other side, which is like, look, you, the government cannot force you to do something if it's, it's, it's unconstitutional. You know, and I think they have a valid point as well. I think both sides are right. I do think if they would have made it, because that's pretty much what they did was they like, we're um, recommending people do social distancing. We're recommending you stay inside. 
And I'm pretty impressed that everyone was like, all right, yeah, we'll do it for the team. No yeah. worries. Yeah. I think we did a pretty good job. I don't think we need to um, enforce it with laws or fines or, or regulate it too much. Cause I think we're all kind of this surprisingly, which impressed me, we'll all kind of do the right thing. You know, I think most people care about other people. Um, so yeah, I think good job. Uh, USA. Yeah. Doing good. We have the most cases of anywhere in the world, <laughs> but, <laughs> but I think we'll get through it. Yeah. And you know, cause my wife is a ICU nurse. And so when everybody was asking me about it, she said, everybody kept saying, well, what do you think? And I'm like, I'm not going to get worried until my wife gets worried. And then I remember one day she went to work and then called me at her lunch hour and was like, don't go outside. Don't talk to anyone. Don't breathe around anyone. And I was like, okay, I'm worried now. All right. <laughs> you know, but it's just that information that I needed. So Jesse, have you been doing the legit sheltering and not going out unless it's for necessities? No, I, uh, <laughs> um, I've been staying at home for the most part. So there's, um, you know, there's things that, you know, like you had the, uh, the tension stick and I was like, Oh, I should go to the gym and get that. And so I just did, you know? Um, but then I've been going to the grocery store probably every other day, you know, cause, um, this is also, um, my wife worked the, the last couple weeks of March and then she was supposed to have a majority of April off. And we planned to have a vacation at this time, like months and months ago. Um, so she's been taking shifts here and there as they need her. But for the most part, we've just been hanging out at home. So we've been cooking a lot. And so she's like, I need to get this stuff. I'm like, sounds good. And I just get in my car and I go to the grocery store. Um, there's certain grocery stores that like Whole Foods uh, that not a lot of people go to. So I try to frank with that one. But if I have to go to one of the major chains like Safeway or Sam's Club, then I go, but I wear a mask um, just to uh, stay safe there. And, you know, because I could, if I contract it, then my wife could, and then that would potentially um, uh, cause her to miss work, which is like, she's our breadwinner right now, since I'm only getting my income from all of my online coaching. And so it's just, uh, I don't know, it's just an interesting situation. So, but for the most part, I am staying at home. Yeah. So yeah, I'm lucky I get to get out of the house, yeah. um, but I can't imagine to, are you going stir crazy yet? Um, not too bad. Cause I have a bunch of stuff to do, you know? So there's a bunch of stuff that I was, uh, blowing off for a really long time. Um, because I didn't have time to do it cause I was coaching or massaging a lot. Um, so, you know, I've been, uh, working on writing an ebook and I'm going to be honest, that's not going as well as I'd hoped it would go. Um, and I've been, hosting um, a lot of online like mobility workouts just for my clients and then just inviting everybody else to come as well. Um, so I, and I've just been podcasting like crazy. And so I have a lot of stuff to do, but there's definitely been um, a few days, not too many where I'm just like, I kind of start to freak out because, <laughs> you know, I travel around this town a lot driving to, to and from work and stuff. 
yeah, I have an ebook or a book I've been working on for seven plus years. Yeah. Uh, that I keep deleting everything and restarting over and over. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's horrible. It is, man. And it's uh, so, especially because the way that your brain operates, because you're the last time I talked to you on the podcast, you were kind of starting to formulate what your specific idea of movement and fitness is. And I think that since then you've been really able to unpack that quite a bit and get a new understanding and dial that in. Yeah. Yeah. I remember I was trying to articulate, which over the past couple of years, just talking with uh, friends and colleagues and trying to almost invent uh, a language that can describe these certain patterns and things we were doing and sensations and experiences. Um, so yeah, I was, I was searching for it. It was pointed to, I mean, everyone was pointing to it cause everyone does it, but I wanted to clarify the intention and, uh, yeah, in order to do that, we had to just make up, <laughs> make up words and symbols to fit it. Yeah. So yeah it's, it's been going good. Yeah, that's awesome. And it's uh it's really interesting to kind of watch that whole entire process. Um and I think the one of my favorite words that you use is uh intention, right? Like, mm. like not only are you creating intention or not only are you creating tension, but you're intending to do this movement, which I think um the way that I look at it is basically concentrating on that one movement and doing that one movement as well as you possibly can instead of what the the common narrative is is to get something do it really fast and then lie on the ground in a puddle of sweat and then you got a good workout in you know so that's kind of where <laughs> that's where i'm like yeah, go go get them <laughs> yeah yeah and those aren't uh, mutually exclusive but so intention um i mean it was a way to pack pack on the meaning of uh like you stated what's your intention behind doing this movement and also uh the tension created what is your intention of creating a specific tension to produce the movement um because we we're seeing you could give someone a movement described by physicians as a roadmap. And that's the usual form as we're going to start from A and we're going to finish in B. So this is the form of the exercise and this is the general shape we want your joints to make. But you could do the exact same movement um, through the generation of multiple different pathways of tension. And this was something um, uh, StrongFit talks about it uh, in their, their torque theory. Uh, you can create different torques with the same linear movement. And if you look at a lot of athletes, uh, bodybuilders, are, bodybuilders are genius at this. We don't give them enough credit. And I think we need to infuse their knowledge in with the rest of um, physical culture and movement culture. But you could tell your someone's body will will look totally different i mean the the structure of their muscles 
will change depending on the intention they're doing a movement. And someone else doing the exact same exercise, same volume, same weight, can create a totally different structure based on the tension they're creating while doing it. And, and some of it is pretty drastic. So each of them are saying they're doing the same thing, but they're not experiencing the same feeling and the same tension throughout their body. So if we could um, add that option and add that tool to be able to access and connect to different ones, um, then I think just as for a coach, you now have this extra tool in your bag where you could say, look, you are deficient, you're lacking, you're balanced in this tension. Maybe it's not just hammering the movement, the position or the form or uh, mobility in this sense of once again, joint position, but maybe we need to work on uh, a torque you're lacking. And you know, that starts, starts in the mind. It starts cognitively actually. Um, tools are good. Um, constraints also will push you towards a certain tension. You know, that's why I like that, that torque stick that you're talking about yeah. because I have no choice. <laughs> yeah. you know? And you can see, wow, I can't actually lift this thing overhead. And it's not necessarily because it's that hard. It's because in that extended position, which most people have the active mobility to achieve, they've never had to achieve that position while maintaining a certain direction of torque. And then you say, wow, is it really the active mobility I needed or was it the torque I needed in this position? And uh, that'll offer a little more of the roadmap for a coach to look at a client and say, hey, this is something maybe we could try or, or something this person needs. So, uh, so yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. The unpacking, that's it, intention. <laughs> yeah, I like it. Um, yeah, so it's funny when you had mentioned like once this whole pandemic kind of took effect and we were all kind of getting our quarantine orders, the first thing that comes out is like push-up challenges. So people are like, let's just do a million push-ups a day. Like I'm going to tag you and you're going to tag me and then we'll tag 10 different people and we'll just do push-ups until we die. And I'm like, no, let's do a different type of movement challenge. So, um, you know, one of my favorite teachers is uh, Dr. Perry Nicholson. He said, if you can't do something slow, then don't do it fast. And so the first thing I did was a, a 60 second squat challenge, just with your body, just squatting down for 60 or squatting down for 30 seconds and then squatting up for 30 seconds. And that's one of those times where you're like, oh, this is where. I'm dumping a lot of torque right here, right in the middle. And this is where I should probably spend more time. You know what I mean? And then that was just with body weight. But then if you add that tension stick, then that's going to be a whole different experience with the 60 second squat challenge, you know? And um, yeah, I really like that a lot. And I've been really uh, starting to create that narrative in my own coaching practice as well. Trying to tell people where they're feeling it, what kind of, the intention behind it. It's, the, it's like the perfect word <laughs> to say because yeah. that's exactly what they need. Oh yeah. That's uh, You could make a, I remember the one minute um, pull up challenge. Oh yeah. You could literally make anything suck with enough uh, time under tension and tempo playing around with that. I mean, look at a wall sit. 
Yeah. A wall sit's always going to suck, you know, because yeah. you're just maintaining that point of tension and contraction. Um, and yeah, I, I mean, I think I saw all those challenges come out like the ridiculous amount of push-ups, and I actually liked it um, just for the reason it looked like it was viral in reaching the um, everyday population, you know, the, the soccer moms and everyone else who maybe is sedentary or maybe isn't into fitness, and it's getting them moving, and I think it's exposing a lot of people um, to maybe a fun workout challenge, you know, you're having fun with your friends. So yeah. I saw a few fitness uh, guru people bashing uh, people doing that. And it's like, oh, uh, that's not a progressive way to train your uh, push-up strength or pushing strength or, or the form you're doing it is wrong. Don't do those. And then they start fear-mongering them out of that because they're going to scare them unless they follow this authority's advice on how to do a push-up. Um, which has its place, but for when it's a, the general public having fun with doing push-ups, like wow, that that's impressive in itself. You know, yeah. <laughs> so I say we should be encouraging that as leaders in the fitness community instead of uh, sticking our nose up at people. Right. So my my only concern is volume. You know, just going from nothing to hundreds. That's a you mm -hmm. know. That's a lot. That's a valid point. Yeah, valid right. point. And so if, you know, that's one of those things that um, I commend CrossFit for, but I also condemn them for as well. It's just getting them, getting people moving again and giving them something to be excited about. But the one thing that I condemn them for is, you know, their squat, their squat depth and how they teach it. So like hit below parallel. Well, what if they can't squat below parallel? Like should, why force them into a position they can't do? What matters is that they're squatting. So what you alluded to earlier, what matters is that people are starting to move. So these sedentary people, these, you know, soccer moms, whoever are now starting to do push-ups. It's great. We should get them doing squats too, because we can't, you know, I always tell people don't, don't um, create a body that's similar to a Taco Bell cup where it's just super big on the top and then really skinny on the bottom. And then you're just engineered to tip over. That's not what we need. You know what I mean? We need to get the lower body in there too, but it's just really weird that that's just largely ignored. But um, mm -hmm. just, I just care that people are squatting. That's all like, who cares about the depth? Are you squatting? Great. Let's do it. You know what I mean? And then change your foot position a little bit, move one back and then squat with one forward. Like see how that feels. Cause that's cool too. You know, it's a, uh, there's so much different, like just the the amount of movement that you can create just in your house with just everyday tools is so substantial and people are just they're so stuck on just one thing or the other thing it just drives me nuts yeah yeah i mean you can't you can't blame them uh I can't but i mean they it's hard to to get out of the box especially when uh I mean, this is the fitness. We were talking about how things can change in generations. Yeah. Fitness is one of those things that was not around very long. Yeah. <laughs> it's a very new thing. And if you look back a few, uh, you know, the old time strong men's before the 50s um, into the turn of the century, it looked very different than it does today. And most of what people are viewing as fitness or exercise or how to achieve 
athleticism or XYZ is taken from something that was created not too long ago and is, is cultural uh, and somewhat arbitrary, which means there's freedom in it, like you said, which we could do a lot more than that. Look at all these options around the house. Um, but it's funny you talked about CrossFit in the ridiculous uh, volume. <laughs> I went to, uh, I did an experiment and went to a, one of those boot camp gyms. Yeah. Um, it's, uh, it's pretty much like the instructor has a microphone on and they turn the music up and there's, it's just circuits. Um, I mean, think like F45 Orange Theory, like Fit Body Boot Camp type of thing. Right. So I went and did it. <laughs> and I was like, damn, I actually got like, got a mad pump, felt great. And I was like, I'm going to do this for a week. <laughs> and it was interesting. And of course, I'm like banging out. I never do high rep, like, or I rarely do high rep. I'm a very yeah. low rep person. But I was... And this is similar to the the CrossFit wads I've done when I went to friends' CrossFit gyms. Um, pretty successful uh, in the class. Uh, got some records on the wads at the particular gym, even though not doing uh, wads or CrossFit training, or in this case, the boot camp styles. Um, so it, it informed me a little bit on how I was telling the people there, hey, because uh, they were like, oh, well, how how many times a week do you do this? Like, where, where do you do this at? Cause you're, you're doing very well. And I said, I recommend working on strength um, and getting stronger and it will carry over to this type of workout. And that's the misleading thing that these fitness instructors who are great athletes and very strong will excel at this type of workout. And then the people doing the workout, will think to be like these people, I will do this class that they are doing because they are good at it. And uh, it's really the base they have that allows for this. Just like you were saying about a one minute squat with that stick, that's a constraint that's, you're gonna remain in the range that you own while doing that. And you know it's gonna show you a lot and give you a lot of information. Um, that is harder to sell to people, yes. right? Yeah. <laughs> Especially when you could do a bust out a thousand. You're like, right. oh, I'll bust out a thousand, then I could do a thousand. <laughs> You're not the same person as the person who could do a thousand. <laughs> right. And so that's the, uh, that's been my argument is, uh, you know, so if you look at all these top performing CrossFit athletes, um, like the CrossFit Games champion right now, Matt Frazier, like he, was a world-class Olympic weightlifting athlete for years, years. Like he went into the CrossFit games with a snatch well over 300 pounds and a clean and jerk bordering 400 pounds. He went into it. So then for two years, he just worked on nothing but his stamina. And then he maintained his strength and then just started crushing and now nobody can handle it. You know what I mean? So then you look at um, all these other athletes that go into the CrossFit games with like been that have been doing gymnastics their whole entire lives. You know what I mean? Like that kind of thing. It's just, you gotta, you gotta 
look at what their base is and then understand what kind of human they are and what type of athlete they are. And then just realize that the stamina is quote unquote easier to get than a lifetime of, uh, you know, just the, the gymnast, like gymnastics, those people, those gymnasts are the strongest people in the world. In my opinion, they can do the craziest stuff ever. So like you, you mentioned the, um, the one minute pull-up challenge, like those guys can hold an iron cross for a minute and just mm-hmm. because they've been doing it since they were kids. So then if you're just like, Hey, why don't you just do some intervals on the bike a couple times a day and then get some running in, get some, a steady running cycle in. And then they just start excelling at <laughs> that CrossFit sport, you know? Yeah. That, I mean, I think the key point is kids, which isn't mentioned a lot. Um, like you said, in CrossFit, a former uh, high-level Olympic weightlifter, there's former like collegiate uh, uh, athletes, football, uh, baseball, and even wasn't uh, uh, was it uh, Jason Kalipa? Is that his yeah. name? Mm-hmm. Uh, was like a, a bodybuilder, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> And so I, so they're high level, you know, in various things, they're high level. They were high level as kids, you know, they, they excelled as children. And I think the the kids thing is what matters because you can't be like, Oh, I want to be a good CrossFitter. So I'm going to be as an adult, I'm going to learn to be a gymnast first and then get into it. It's not going to work. You're not going to go play football or, um, whatever become an olympic weightlifter and then go into crossfit i mean it's usually the other way around right right but i think that's another uh it's not disingenuous but it's it's misleading when you see uh, a certain teacher who is very skilled at a practice and they had this background as a kid as a, a dancer um a yogi, a martial artist, and they're like, I'm going to teach you how to be flexible or have mobility. And in their head, they're having to reverse engineer the capacities they gained as a kid. So they're just, once again, going off the position and saying, we'll just then spend time here and you'll get there eventually, which is not how they got there, right? Right. They're having to conceptually rewrite the framework to get there. Right. Um, so yeah, like you said, when these people add in uh, a little gas to it, a little engine, uh, the cardiovascular adaptations are fairly quickly. Yeah. Uh, they take off and people get lost in, in the tool and they forget the person swinging the hammer. Right. Yeah. And so, um, you know, there's a lot of that movement variability, I think, that helps out with that, um, which is something that you're known for because when we need that the most is under fatigue because that's when our body starts to break down and that's when our body starts to freak out. And so if you have solutions for that, then you're going to come out of that workout a lot further ahead than most people, because then you, your body has different ways to use that same structure. Does that make sense? So like, cause there's, um, you know, that workout where you just do 150 wall balls as fast as you can. Like by the time you get to rep 50, 
your squat's not the same. And then by the time you get to rep 75, you're only halfway. Then you've done so many reps. And now your squat's a complete shit show. And so if you only have that one squat, if you've only practiced that one squat, then you're going to fatigue and you're going to, you're going to start using your low back and you're going to start using all these different body parts to try and generate force in that position. And it's just going to fall apart. And then that's when you're, you know, man, I remember the last time I did that workout, I couldn't step off a curb or step down some steps for a week. It was terrible. Yeah. Nasty. (laughs) And that was towards the end of my um, stint as a CrossFit athlete where I just started thinking, what am I doing? (laughs) How is this helping me? You know what I mean? So like if you start thinking a bit about it as my, um, my theory for fitness, which is like, don't be a liability. Like you can't walk now. Like if you're, if you're walking and you stumble you can barely catch yourself because your quads aren't working. So you're a liability now. What are you going to do in an emergency situation if you did 150 wobbles and now you can't function? You know what I mean? Mm, I like that. Don't be a liability. Yeah. yeah. That's similar to my kind of uh, concept of, of be trained to be useful. Right. Um, especially to others. Yeah. But Yeah, that's... Um, that what you're what you're talking about all the different variations and movement variability is it's like the opposite of the bruce lee quote um the 10, don't be afraid of the man who's yeah 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 yeah, yeah. yeah. i know it's funny the, the bottom line is um you know we're we're all searching for this fundamental carryover to athletics and some people are saying um joint mobility some people are saying it's some slings coordinative uh gait pattern uh but i think uh, a simple answer is just be stronger um or, or chase strength yeah and i don't think being stronger ever hurts anything no. uh, if anything it makes it easier right if you're if you are a CrossFit athlete, I'm not sure if you want to have a contortionist dance background um, and have all this range of motion. I'm not sure. Um, I, I can't think of any specific capacity except for just general strength, um, force production that would carry over to almost any athletic endeavor. Not to say that that's you, you might have different goals and that might not be a priority for you, but I think it's always a good, um, strength is usually corrective right? for most practices. Right. And also the intention behind it, like we were alluding to earlier. Right. So, um, I think, and I think, so, you know, Dr. Spina talks about this quite a bit where it kind of transitions into sport you know, so at what point, because I remember the first time I deadlifted 500 pounds, I was like, okay, cool. So now what? I mean, that was really cool. And I've been working on that for a long time. But now what? I mean, I feel like I'm above average as far as strength goes. I mean, I can't compete in a powerlifting meet. The guys that are my size in a powerlifting meet are deadlifting 300 pounds more than that. So what am I doing? 
You know what I mean? So then that starts, that started my other, um, you know, there was like a whole myriad of different realizations that kind of started to taper me off of CrossFit quite a bit to where, and you know, one of the things that I'm preaching right now is just understand your why, like, why are you doing that? You know what I mean? And, you know, going back to the, don't be a liability thing. I got that from, uh, that quote from Laird Hamilton. And I thought that was really interesting. Cause I was like, Oh, what does that mean? What is How does that pertain to me? Because he was talking about big wave surfing and getting drunk and getting stoned all the time. And then, you know, well, what if those people need me? What if that guy, you know, wipes out on a 50 foot wave, like, and I'm, you know, hung over from the night before and I'm not paying attention. I'm a liability to that person. So then I went to an education course in uh, Dallas, Texas, and I got off the plane and uh, was walking to the bus to go to my rental car. And there was a lady that could barely walk. She was like so overweight and I was looking at her and I was like, then I started thinking about these shootings that started happening in Dallas, like a a couple months before that. And I was like, man, nobody is saving you and you're not saving anyone. So then I started to really kind of unpack what don't be a liability means. Like, do you need to deadlift hundreds and hundreds of pounds? Probably not. But can you pick up your unconscious spouse and drag her out of a burning house? Probably should be able to, you know what I mean? So like, can you, run a six minute mile. Mm, That's probably not necessary, but can you sprint a couple hundred meters away from danger and then settle into a mile and then run a mile? Because that's pretty important because by the time you get a mile away from danger, you're pretty safe for the most part. You know, this is all stuff that I started to kind of think about as far as my training, like, and it's all, and then going back to like the, the variability of movement, like you're, injuries happen um, when you're fatigued and your brain doesn't have a solution for that, you know, and then going back to uh, what you were talking about with, um, you know, the, the hypermobile dancers and, you know, uh, going into like the CrossFit space. So then that goes, then my brain starts thinking about the joint by joint approach and immobility. Well, then how does that translate to hypermobile people? So if hypermobile people are mobile enough, but then they don't have the strength within that mobility, then they're going to start to reach for it somewhere else. And it's usually the same pattern. And so that's what I've seen. So like there's a, um, a trainer at our gym who is hypermobile and squats all the time, but she has constant low back pain. Mm-hmm. So she doesn't have those strength within those ranges that she needs. So then her low back is trying to help her stabilize her hip. You know what I mean? So then it's just like, so then why is she doing squats? Why isn't she doing something else? Like, so it's a, it's the whole why behind what you're doing. And if you don't understand the why behind making people do 150 wall balls, then why are you doing it? Mm-hmm. And I think it's also, what is your definition of strength? Right. Because if it is just more reps, more weight on the bar you know, that we see how that turns out. That's a slippery slope. Does, right. does that make you uh, more of the person you want to be? Because then you have right. to change the definitions to fit the target so that you can orient yourself towards it and reach the goal. And I think having 
because man, I've talked to a lot of people like, what is strength to you? And they'll say scientific or not, they all have different um, answers. And I think that's, that's good. So I think you have to find your answer. And what helps me is creating almost an archetype of the, the hero in your head who you want to become. Yeah. And for me, I'm, I'm visualizing like a, a NFL linebacker. Yeah. Right. But that I don't think that's everyone's archetype. And I think you have to find your own because let's say real functional strength when it matters. If the zombies come out now, right, and you have your squad um, and your team to survive the zombie apocalypse, I don't think you want everyone to be the same type of mover or the same body type and have the same strengths, right? Right. If anything, you want a group of specialists because yeah. that's what makes a, a good team. That's how tribes, you know, formulate the roles within the community. You specialize at your gift. And that goes against, you know, being the whole, I'm just a generalist mover and want to be slightly mediocre at as many things as possible. Right. Um, have, you know, have a good base, take care of yourself, but, but reach towards something that you're gifted at. You know, everyone has their gift and everyone has things they're passionate about. Uh, and that's the fun thing about the freedom of movement and fitness. You could find things you love. Yeah. Uh, yeah so I would encourage people to d define your goals, define strength for you, find that image in your head and, and move towards it. Because if you don't have that measurement, you're going to use some objective measurement that they give you. Like we we're talking about the weight on your bar or how many wall balls you can do for time. Um, and, and then you're getting away from your true goal. Right. And that's a slippery slope. That's a, that's another interesting concept is what, how do you define what your goal is? And so the majority of the people that I'm coaching, um, just don't want to be in pain anymore. And so they come in with like chronic low back pain or, or chronic knee pain or whatever it is. And then, um, instead of me getting them in for body work once a week, then I get them in for coaching and then I coach them indefinitely. And then that helps them be able to go ride a mountain bike or go for a run or whatever they like to do that keeps them out of pain while they're doing it. And so then their identity is actually not in the gym. Their identity is outside of the gym. Well, this is what I do. And right now I can't do that thing anymore. And so I need you to help me get to where I can do that thing. And so that's, that's a majority of my clients. And so I think, you Those know, are the best. Those right? are the best clients. They because are. then when, when you're giving them um, the actual prescriptions on this is what we need to work on and strengthen uh, or uh, increase the capacity for, now when they're doing that thing, they're linking it to actual meaning. Right. Like I can go out and run again. I'm going to be able to do this thing that I enjoy. Um, when you see some people, it's like, oh, you're um, lacking this or deficient in this or have inadequate X, Y, Z, you need to do it. And it's, you see people get lost in the, but why am I doing this? Right. You know, is it just because you said that? Is it just because you're saying I'm inadequate? Like right. I needed this many, this much range of internal rotation in this joint, really? 
So when people have it as, as what I'm doing is going to help me do the thing I love, like you're doing with your clients, man, it just makes it so, so much easier to buy in. And they're actually putting the effort in because they know where it's going to drive them towards. Right. And so I think that was another uh, downfall as far as me being a CrossFit athlete is I pretty much accomplished everything that I needed and or that because I had a whole new set of goals when I started CrossFit. Oh, well, now I need this 500 pound deadlift. Now I need this 225 snatch. Now I need this 300 pound clean. Now I need to be proficient at bar muscle ups and ring muscle ups and toes to bar and butterfly pull ups and then handstand push ups, all this different stuff. But then I worked very diligently on becoming proficient at all of those things. And then I did. And so now I'm like, okay, so now what? So now I'm an above average athlete. Like I can do fairly well in most workouts, but I'm never going to qualify for any high level competition. So then what am I working three to four hours in the gym for? Like, what are we doing? You know what I mean? So then that's where I started looking at, well, what's some different movement that I can do? Cause I had no idea. So then I started looking up, well, you know, the on it just came out and there's that guy, John Wolf um, posted all these kettlebell videos where he's doing Cossack squats. I'm like, Whoa, what are those? And then start doing Cossack squats and my body's like, I don't know how to do that. I don't know what you're doing, <laughs> you know? Right. And so then I start working on all that stuff and then I start following those people and following the people that those people follow and going down all these rabbit holes. And here I am like four years later, starting, finally starting to figure out what I need to do and what my fitness program looks like for me. You know what I mean? Instead mm-hmm. of somebody telling me what I need to do or what I should do. And so that's a really hard thing for people is like we were, started the podcast with is they they get in this environment where they can pretty much be a robot and just come in do the workout and then leave and now they're sequestered to their home they have a few like the the, most gyms have loaned out equipment like that's what we did to here take all the equipment that you need and bring it back when this is over but then they're just staring at it like i don't know what to do you know like what do i do with a sandbag i don't know like 30 cleaning jerks for time i don't know <laughs> you know what i mean hell hell yeah what is that grace <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> you know so it's a i don't know it's a weird world and i think it's it's uh there's a there was a big part of me that once our gym got shut down i was really um anxious uh but And then there was a depression too, because I went to the store trying to find something. And that's when everybody was just buying all the stuff. And, you know, I had what we needed. I was just looking for little things here and there, but it was the the fact that nobody else could find stuff either. That was depressing to me. You know, like I saw 30 or 40 people just walking around, just completely defeated, just being like, God, how do I even get anything? You know? And I'm just like, this is so depressing. We're such assholes. Like, why can't like, this is just a, like an, if you just went and did grocery shopping like a normal person, then you'd be fine. But we just had to buy all the stuff. It's crazy. And, yeah. you know, and that, I think that's the fault of the, the leadership of our country, you know, not giving people adequate information on what exactly was going on. You know, like 
we think of quarantined, like the the quarantine that like you said or that you alluded to earlier that I'm experiencing now was vastly different than what we thought it was going to be four weeks ago. You know, mm-hmm. we thought we weren't going to be able to leave the house for four weeks, and they're like, "No, you can leave the house. Just wear a mask." And we're yeah. just like, "Oh, <laughs> oh, <laughs> okay." So I didn't I need mean, to some, buy. Some people are getting. I think some people are getting fined. Uh, yeah. from, I'm hearing in California, but I, yeah, I wonder. <laughs> like, you're gonna find one of these uh, Second Amendment people. Uh, just the wrong dude who I wonder if they try to get fined and there's an altercation and they become a martyr. And then you just see this uprising of people uh, who are against this, you know, cause you know, in the Midwest, there's a, there's a lot of people out there who don't like being told what to do uh, by the government. Right. I mean, I, I, I'm in Southern California, so there's not too many. I feel like we're <laughs> we're in a different culture here, but I know around the country, um, a lot of people aren't aren't enjoying this. And yeah, in the back of my head, I'm wondering like, depending on how long and how far this goes, is there going to be some civil unrest uh, happening? And or okay. yeah, so there's uh, two ends to that. So. The weekend before our gym got shut down, I felt like, well, I'm going to just go to Sam's Club and get some frozen meat, stuff like that, just in case, you know, rice, vegetables, that kind of thing, you know, people that stuff that you need to survive and stuff like not toilet paper. And so I went in there and that was the first place that I went where I started looking around and I was like, oh, we're barely holding it together, like as a nation. We're, this was the first representation where I'm like, okay, this is crazy. And I also got my first taste of kind of my animalistic survival instinct because I walked up, I was walking around um, and I was picking out, like there was just meat all over the place. You know, like I got um, some brisket, like five pounds of brisket nice. that I could freeze. And then I got, you know, frozen veggies and, um, like huge bags of frozen veggies and then a bunch of rice and, you know, some carnitas and all kinds of stuff. And I was walking out and there was this guy that had four gigantic things of paper towels in his cart. And I was like, okay, here's how this works. I'm bigger than you. I'm stronger than you. And I take your paper towels. Do you understand? And then I was like, Oh no, wait, I'm a responsible human. And I have paper towels that'll last me like six months. What am I doing? And then I just left, you know, but for a second, I was like, okay, I take your paper towels. That's what happens. <laughs> yeah. Know? It's a thin line, right? I wonder how far it probably wouldn't be too much further to get to that point. No. And so, you know, there was a couple times where, you know, like it's just one of those unfortunate things. Like I needed toilet paper. I ran out. I needed some. So I went to, oh. I went to Sam's club and there was, um, there was a line about 30 to 50 people deep, like an hour before Sam's club opened. I'm like, I'm not doing this. Yeah. And so I went to target like right after they opened and I was fully prepared 
to maybe fight somebody for toilet paper. And I <laughs> understand how that sounds. And I was walking in and I was like, am I really going to fight somebody over toilet paper? Is this crazy? What if somebody tries to take it from me? Should I just let them take it? Because they're desperate and I'm not. Like worst case scenario, I just get in the shower for a couple minutes after I go to the bathroom. Like, <laughs> Oh, yeah. And so, but it, just that thought was there. You know what I mean? But then, like you said, the longer this goes on, um, I think this also was kind of expressed. This shouldn't, I shouldn't say expressed. It revealed this just national kind of anxiety that we have, right? And so my theory is, is that anxiety revolves around the acquisition of money. And so now we can't, we, there's a lot of us that can't go and acquire money, which then ups that anxiety that we normally have because normally every month, everybody's like paycheck to paycheck. Oh my God, I got to pay my cell phone bill. Okay. I made it. Okay, great. Now I got to start saving up for my rent. Okay. I made it. Okay, great. You know? And, and so this is the problem that I saw is, and that I'm seeing recently is now they're like, okay, so you can't go anywhere. So should I drive to Phoenix? No, you stay at home. Okay, so I can drive to like Albuquerque though. No, stay home. And so there's this anxiety where people are constantly trying to acquire money and now they can't, which then ups their anxiety. So now they feel like they have to do something. And then they also like, now that they, you know, and then they plan for what to do on the weekend, which is like go out and party or whatever it is. And so we're taking that away too. And then we take away, you know, I've always, uh, I haven't always, but for the last couple of years, I, um, I was calling CrossFit a healthy expression of subconscious anxiety. And so now they can't do that either. And so this is just all this anxiety building and building. And so when you ask somebody, Hey, when do we get to go back to work? Or when do we get to open our gym? Or when does this get back to normal? People just shrug and they're like, I don't know which then builds anxiety. So like what you're saying is it's just all going up. And so at some point we either have to figure it out within ourselves or, you know, it might get to that point that you were talking about earlier. Oh yeah. I mean, wait when they turn off all the electricity uh, and power for 10 days, you know, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that shit gets out of control. I think yeah, that's interesting about the CrossFit. I wonder how hardcore CrossFitters are doing. Um, cause you, you tend to see, especially I think female CrossFitters, um, uh, higher, uh, arousal state nervous systems and anxiety levels, which is a great like expression to get that energy out. I bet they're, I bet CrossFitters are doing pretty good in their garage workouts out of, out of everyone. Yeah. Uh, cause the structure they give in the WADs is pretty like, okay, simple in out work. Right. Um, I think they're probably better off than a lot of people, but yeah, that'd be interesting to see, to test that, you know, like yeah. the overall anxiety. I I've seen some people freaking out over this. And like you said, you and me might be a little bit more like interested, like, Oh, this is, this is interesting. Let's see what these humans do. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's crazy times. Man. It is man. And I, you know, we've, we're like, creaming up on 90 minutes so i'll let you go here in a second but uh you know that happens when 
I get that excitement too. And I never really realized it until you mentioned it earlier in the podcast, but you know, like when it's snowing and blizzarding and everybody's freaking out, Oh my God, this is the worst. I'm like, let's see what we got. Let's see how it goes. This is the worst. Let's, let's get the worst of this. I'll, I'll see how, what happens, you know? So back in, uh, um, 2009 and 2010, we had just these crazy snowstorms in Flagstaff. Like there was one in 2009 where, um, it snowed like three feet and then it started raining and then the rain didn't have anywhere to go. So it started flooding everything. And then it started snowing again. So then the load on these buildings, like there was all kinds of buildings all over Flagstaff collapsing and all this crazy shit and chaos and, and transformers blowing up and people driving all crazy. And I was like delivering pizzas and that stuff. <laughs> so, you know, when we haven't had snowstorms that bad since. So every time it snows, I'm like, yeah, bring it. I'm excited. Let's see what this How is. How alive did you feel though? <laughs> pretty yeah it was crazy that's what i mean that's like that's what we're chasing all the time right and and i got that feeling you know during this when i was like no way i was like (laughs) i'm starting to feel alive yeah (laughs) Yeah. instead of just uh you know mundane and and monotonous there's this like new exciting thing in the world you know (laughs) that's happening globally you know because i had i had friends that were in spain they were like, they planned out this trip. Uh, uh, one of my friends, she um, teaches CrossFit gym owners and coaches how to coach pro- uh, pregnant women, you know, because they, if they get too strong, then it makes their labor worse because then they can't have the baby. You know what I mean? So she's like teaching them how to do this. And she scheduled this whole European trip. And then three days after they got to Spain, like shit hit the fan and they were stuck in Spain. Oh, in Spain. For, yeah. yeah. For a week you know, and then they had to, they finally got a flight back and then they had to quarantine themselves for two weeks because they were in one of the huge epicenters of this stuff. And so, you know, it was just really interesting getting everybody's different perspective from everywhere in the world. And, you know, just, God, what a weird, it's so weird. (laughs) It's weird, but I think, I think we're doing all right. I, I think, uh, I was on a walk the other day and I usually go on walks and I never talk to anyone and people, two separate people were like, Hey, how are you doing? How is everything during this? Like my neighbors, right? Yeah. <laughs> I never talked to them. <laughs> I was like, wow, Connect, oh. connection to other people. <laughs> yeah. Oh shit. And I've even heard of people dropping off. Um, not the gentleman you talked about who was stockpiling paper towels, but dropping <laughs> off toilet paper yeah. to people who needed it. And yeah, I believe, I believe the worst it gets, if it does get worse, um, you'll actually see the good in people come out even more. I agree. I agree. We're going to, we're going to stop there because we'll just keep going forever. Thank you so much for coming on my friend. I appreciate you. Yeah. Thanks Jesse. That was fun. Absolutely. We'll talk again soon. <laughs>